Good morning. Oh, I got less of a good morning than Sean did. That kind of hurts. Oh, sorry. My bad. Let me try it again. One more time. Good morning. There we go. Nothing like forced response. That's good. Uh, congratulations to the Astros fans. Are there any with us today? Good. Okay. Congratulations. In a way, Dusty Baker won. So in a way, that's like the Reds winning, sort of. Right? Uh, my mother is with me this, this weekend, so wave your hands. I know that you don't like to be embarrassed. I meant, sorry, wave her hand. Sorry, I had a lot of mothers there for a second. Uh, so, while we were out this weekend, I, I went to Goodwill, and uh, I was looking for a football just for youth and just to have it. And so at Goodwill, they had one, and it was really cool looking. Uh, it was Bengals colors and all this stuff. I'll just go with that. And it was Bengals colors but it was kind of deflated. That's not the joke. <laughs> Although, it was kind of deflated. Uh, and so I took it up, didn't have a price tag on it, so I took it up and uh, I hate doing this because it's awkward for me to ask questions, but uh, I asked, you know, how much is this? And the person at the, the counter was like, it's five bucks. Uh, would you like me to pump it up for you? And so I was like, oh, sure, yeah, that'll be helpful. That saves me the trouble. And so he pulled out this little pump from behind and pumped it up. And then, you know, I get out my wallet to pay, and he's like, okay, that's 10 bucks. And I'm like, wait a second. And he's like, inflation, okay. <laughs> okay, so in this series, which is called Invested, we are looking to the past, the present, and the future. And in our lives, often we really, really, really look back to the past. And we think about how things used to be. We think about maybe when we had hair, or when we were younger, or when things felt better, when we had more money, whatever it is. Or we look to the future. And we think, well, this is what's going to happen. This is what needs to happen. This is what I want to do, and all of those things. But this week, we're going to go back to the present. And we're going to talk about the present and our lives and things we do, things as a church, things that we can do, uh, things that are important for us, to do in terms of following Jesus' example. And so we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Uh, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew, that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on ter- ter- fertile, soil, sorry, fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he had planted. Uh, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus often used a boat as kind of a pulpit. And there were a lot of reasons for that. For one, uh, it had great acoustics, I believe. For two, uh, it was a really cool picture. And it really put the focus on him because behind him there's just the sunset or the sunrise or clouds or water. And he's just standing on this boat talking. And so it really put the focus on him, which is where our focus should be. But the main thing. The main point of why he did this, the main point of how often he spoke in boats, when he was shut out from the synagogues or when it wasn't the Sabbath, he still kept going. 
And he still kept talking. He didn't let anything stop him from planting seeds, from sharing the message, from sharing his love, from sharing his life, from being an example. And so he would constantly find ways, find places to bring that to people, to bring hope to people, to bring the message of truth to people, to bring everything. He did it everywhere. He planted seeds each and every day of his life. Every single day, all of the time, with the way that he talked, with the way that he treated others, with the way that he healed, with the things that he said, all of these things, everywhere he went. That is our example for the present. That is what we are called to do as a church. That is what we are called to do as Christians, to everywhere we go. Just be so filled with his love, with his hope, with his message, that that we just show it, we share it, we live it. We are that example constantly, planting seeds with everything we do, even with minor interactions. Just constantly doing that and showing that. And the, we always need to look to what he says, obviously. But also the way that he says it. And so with parables especially, but whenever he would talk, he would speak to the understandings of people. So if he's talking to Pharisees, maybe he's a little more theological and direct. If he's talking to people that are farmers, he talks about farming. People who understand fishing, he talks about fishing. People who understand taxes, etc. And he would talk about that. It never changed the message. But he talked about it because he understood what people wanted to hear, what they needed to hear. And he added his message, his truth, his hope into that. Now, he could have out-theologized anybody. Like, he could have quoted scripture easily because he literally is scripture. So he could have out-theologized anyone and just walked around like he did as a 12-year-old with the Pharisees in the temple. He could have walked around and just quoted it and said, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, and he could have kept doing it, and he could have kept doing it, and he could have been a living commentary. But he didn't change the message, like I said. However, he changed how he spoke it, how he gave it. He was understanding, he was listening, he showed mercy, he showed hope. He did everything he could to plant seeds. Now, with this parable, he explains it a little later, and he obviously does a better job than I could have, so we're going to get to that in a minute. Um... But I want to talk about the parable in general and about this moment in time. So there's somebody planting seeds and it's a farmer. I know that much about farming and planting seeds. And so to be a farmer, uh, you have to, I believe, have seeds first. Also overalls probably, but you have to have seeds first. I'm from Seymour. We used to have farm day for the high school. And so people would ride their tractors to school. So I understand this a little bit. But uh, so the farmer is somebody who plants seeds, somebody who grows his crop and does what he can to plant that and all of that. You guys know that. But in order to be a farmer, you have to receive the seeds. You have to get them. You also have to grow. You have to feed yourself. You have to become better at what you do, etc., etc. Now, in church, we do this together. We come here on Sundays to to worship and to listen to the word and and to greet each other and to be together. And all of that is to refuel us for a difficult week. All of that is to remind us what it's like to be a Christian, to remind us that we're not alone, to remind us that we are together. We're better together. To remind us of all of that. And so we get that. And yet, even with that, it is so easy to get focused on the results over everything else. I have a quote. This is from Robert Louis Stevenson, who is an author. I'm going to quiz you later, but no. Uh, Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. Don't judge each day by the harvest that you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. So Robert Louis Stevenson wrote Jekyll and Hyde, among other things. 
Uh, and so I don't know if you know much about that story, but essentially, uh, he, it's a doctor who really is interested in proving science and proving his case and being more powerful. And all. He's very results-oriented. And so he takes a potion that turns him into Mr. Hyde, and you can go from there. It doesn't turn out well, spoiler alert. And so with results, it's not that they don't matter, because obviously they do. Like we plant seeds with the hope for results. We come to church with the hope for results. We, we live our lives with the hope for results. But that's beyond what we can do. You see, God is who makes the seeds grow. God is who touches people's heart, who opens their ears, who opens their eyes, who opens their minds. All we do is plant the seeds and set the example and do what we can to show that our job presently is to plant seeds, to pray, to love, to be an example of hope and faith and truth and all of these things. Our job is to be the church, but not just to plant them. See, the parable talks about different kinds of soil. And obviously that is important. Like the soil is what matters. The person who makes the decision, that's on them. However, however, the quality of the seed also matters. The way with which it's planted also matters. The, the things that we care about also matter. It, it, it matters how you give the message. It matters what's in your heart, what your goals are, what your intents are. All of that matters, how, how much you are allowing it to grow in your life. All of those things affect the planting of the seeds. They affect how people see us. They affect what people think. They affect, sometimes, how good or bad the soil is. Now, again, and this is vital, nobody, nobody can save anyone except Jesus. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the salvation. He is who we point to. And again, that doesn't take away the need and the hope and the desire to plant seeds and to be an example and to share our faith. But it's to remind us that he is the one that takes care of all of the hard parts. We just do the things we can to be like him, to show him. Uh, I want to go to verse 10. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those that are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really learn, listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it, and they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. So sometimes, I think when we read this or we hear this, there's a slight misunderstanding. Because there's a way to read it where you're thinking, well, he's saying that only the people that understand, that's who matters. Like when you tell the parable, when you tell the message, if somebody doesn't listen, like just ignore them. He's actually kind of saying the opposite. And so what he means, so let's just say, for example, just hypothetically, that there's somebody who you listen to every week, who talks to you. And let's say that this person constantly is talking to you about something like, say, 
Marvel Comics or the Marvel movies or their niece, just randomly. Things, things that you don't really have an understanding or a care for. And so if I start, if that person, sorry, if that person starts going on and on about Marvel movies and about what's going to happen and what could happen and about the TV shows and over and over again, over and over and over again, just by saying that part, some people start to tune out. And so if your heart is, for example, hardened to Marvel, and I start going on and on and on about it, again, someone starts going on and on and on about it, you're going to be more hardened to Marvel. You see what I'm saying? See what Jesus is saying? So he used parables not to block the message from people, but because he knew that some people were standing there, the Pharisees and some others, and they had no interest in what he said. They just wanted to be kind of grumbling, and they didn't care, and they didn't want to hear it. And so a parable was his way to give the truth, to give the message, to plant the seed where the people that are there to worship, the people that are there to listen, the people that are there who are spiritual and who are interested, they get it. They're like, wow, that's so cool. I understand. But the people who were there to make fun of him or to mock him or their hearts were hardened, they, they don't really, they just listen barely to the parable. And then later on, as they're at home, as they're doing their chores, as they're going to bed, that parable sticks in their head. And they start to think, man, you know what? That farmer throwing the seeds, that kind of makes sense for this. And like they come to it themselves. God helps them to get an understanding themselves. Where if Jesus just stood there and threw the Bible at them, they're going to be that much more harder. They're going to be like, you can't tell me how to live my life. But he gave it to them in a different way. He gave it to them in a way that prompted them to make the decision, that prompted them to, to, to learn, to hope, to let that seed grow. Sometimes we really want to hit people with Bibles. Not just as a witness, but just sometimes we really want to hit people with Bibles and we really want to force our point home and we really want to get them to see it. And that comes from a good place because we all know we, we have the answer. We have the truth. We have that life. And we want to share it. But sometimes we get upset and we get angry and sometimes it's because we care about the person. Sometimes it's because they're not paying attention to us. Sometimes etc. etc. But look to Jesus. Again, not just what he says, but how he says it. His parables, talking about planting the seeds, talking about helping others understand it, the mercy that he shows, the hope that he brings, the love that he lives. Whether or not someone rejects it, that's on them. We cannot control that. Again, however, we have some effect. So, for example, let's say that somebody is talking to you and they're sharing their life struggles and just maybe something that has happened in their life, something that they're dealing with, a reason that they're hesitant to listen to God. And at the end of it, you're like, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. And you say it like that and you're so gentle and you're caring and you're like, I, I heard you. Now, let's say that it's somebody who is sharing their politics or sharing something you disagree with or worst case scenario, has like a producer on or something. And so, nothing on that, wow. Okay, so, it's somebody, it's somebody who you just, they, they rub you the wrong way. And so you end with, yeah, I'll pray for you. And so it's like a threat. Now, how do you think they hear that? See how it's the same thing, but the way you present it matters. The way your heart is felt in it matters. And parables and the way Jesus taught, that's an example of God's mercy. He could have just shut the door on everybody that refused to listen. But he left it cracked so that they would try to open it 
He planted the seed. He set the message. He lived his life. And so with the parables, with everything of Jesus, the spiritual can hear and understand. And we seek it. We love it. We want it. We want that message. We want that hope. We want that truth. But the hardened, they can hear a story. They can hear just an example of something. And then they can go home and they can think on it and they can come to it in time. Uh, I've never mentioned him before, but C.S. Lewis. Actually, this is how he came to the faith. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who is also an author, uh, gave him like a list of, of a bunch of books, theological books and commentaries to read on a train. And he, came, he read them and he came to it himself. Whereas if Tolkien had stood there and just preached at him, who knows what would have happened. And so he came to it himself and his heart was opened by God. Our witness, our lives, our example, our church should be like that in the present for all time. Not, not necessarily with parables, but with our example, with the way we pay attention to those around us, with the way that, that, that we share the truth of Christ, the hope of Christ, the love of Christ, the message of Christ, with the way that it's just pouring out of us, with the way that we don't angrily say we'll pray for somebody, with the way that we hope ourselves. I have another quote. This is from Mr. Rogers. The purpose of life is to listen to yourself, to your neighbor, to your world, and to God. And when the time comes to respond in as helpful a way as you can find, from within and without. It's like I've said before from the way he started his show. He came home, he was studying to be a pastor, and he would have been a great one. And in some ways he still was. But he saw the television and whereas a lot of people would have been like, oh, this is garbage, and man, it's going to affect people. I need to go out and I need to preach against this. What he did was say, you know what? This could be a tool for the gospel in a different way. I could help children learn about life, and I could listen to what the world is listening to and not change the message, but give it to them in a way that, that like Jesus' parables, will germinate over time. And so we who listen to God, we who are the good soil, we who are here on Sundays, we have a responsibility, a, a responsibility to listen to our neighbors, to pay attention to things around us, not to build a bubble around ourselves. And again, not to agree with everything, not to change for everything, but to listen, to pay attention, to understand, to, to, to be there, to even listen to ourselves. And above all, to listen to God and the way that he presents the message, the way that he presents hope, the, the way that he brings us everything to follow the golden rule, which is to listen to others as we would want them to listen to us, to talk to others the way we would want them to talk to us, to help others the way we would want them to help us over and over and over again. It's to listen and to seek to be helpful, to plant not for glory, not for attendance, but to help, to be different, to share. And Jesus was receptive to the needs of the people, to the understandings of the people. And as I said, when he talked to the Pharisees, he was more direct because they were supposed to know it. They were supposed to be the examples of God and they were messing up. Not all of them, but a lot of them were messing up. And so he was more theological and he really went at them in the way that they would understand, in the way that he hoped would allow them to truly hear. 
to sinners. He didn't come in hot and heavy. He came in like with the woman at the well and said he listened to her story first. And he didn't change the truth. He said what she'd done. But then he continued to see her as a person, to hear her life as a person, to show her interest as a person. That's how he did it. That's what he did. That's who we're supposed to be. He didn't let anything change him or stop him. He just used it to continue to plant seeds, to continue to grow the kingdom, to continue to bring his message, to bring hope, to bring love, to bring peace. Last part of the scripture. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is drowned out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So you notice that when he's describing what good seed means, he's not necessarily talking about what they do, what they understand. He's saying, and the people that are the good seed, they plant so much more. They show so much more fruit. They bring so many more people hope, so many more people peace. They continue to be an example. And so we can read this parable. We read his explanation. And we immediately, I think, most of us can think of examples of people we've talked to or heard or known that fit different types of soil. But also, it's helpful to understand that at different times in our lives, we can represent different types of soil. You see, sometimes, sometimes we let other things take the place of the word in our life. Sometimes we have uh, a lot of work stuff and a lot of home stuff and a lot of bill stuff and a lot of stuff that's important and a lot of politics stuff. And a lot of stuff going on, it kind of crowds out the word in our life. Sometimes we get enthusiastic. Maybe it's a series that we like. Maybe it's just something, a song. Maybe it's a camp experience. Maybe it's something that happens, an example of Jesus, a miracle. And we get so enthusiastic. And then something stops us. Maybe we don't see the results immediately. Maybe we get hurt, whatever. And then we kind of pull it back a little bit. Sometimes the cares, the worries, the money, all of the things that, that, that really affect our lives daily. Sometimes they push everything away. They would threaten to choke it out. But through all of that, we look back to the fruit that we've planted. The ways that the seed has germinated in our own life. The things that we've seen over time. And we realize, hey, we got to get it going. That's where we live. That's how we are. And that's how we have to understand other people. Because again, with ourselves, we have an intimate understanding of why we do what we do, why we say what we do, when we have a bad day, when we have too many worries, when something is hard. With others, sometimes we don't set, show that same understanding. And yet Jesus, 
who was always perfect and always good soil and always peaceful and always loving and always hopeful and always everything showed that understanding. And then he called to us and said, guys, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because they hate me. And so they're going to hate you. But you got to rise above that. And you've got to learn from me. And you've got to be like me. And you've got to plant seed. And you've got to grow. Because the fruit in our lives matters. The fruit in other people's lives matters. The way that we show Jesus to the world is vital. And this parable, it's encouraging. It can seem a little unencouraging. Or discouraging, I guess, would be the correct word. But I'm, I have a master's in English. I can make up words on the spot. It can seem discouraging, but to the disciples, to us, he's saying, you know what? You keep doing everything you can. You may not see results right away. You may see some empty seats. You may be hurt. You may have people turn away from you, run away from you. But even in your discouragement, God is in control. And he is touching those seeds. And he is magnifying your efforts. And he is helping you through it. And the harvest will come. And so we persist. We continue going forward. We continue growing. I have one more quote. This is from a man named John Wesley. Humility and patience are the surest proofs of the increase of love. That is how we persist. That is how we grow. With humility. With the understanding that we are blessed to be where we are. To understand. Now we've done a lot of work and we've worked on ourselves and we have struggles and all of that. But we're blessed because we've accepted it. Some of us have grown up in it and that's awesome. I've grown up in it. My great grandma, the very first Sunday she had me, I was in church and every single time it was open from then on. So I was very blessed to have that example, to have that opportunity. And so we understand with humility that we are serving Him, that we are servants of Christ. And in our lives, again, we know our past, we know our trials, we know our wins. And so in the present, we are called to be patient. And that's hard. As I've said before, whenever you pray, he answers every single prayer. Every single prayer. He hears every single prayer and he answers every single prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes and that's awesome. Because we like that. Sometimes it's no. That's less awesome. But at least we know and at least we can move forward and we can change and we know what the answer is. Sometimes though, the hardest one is wait. It's be patient. It's try again. It's not, I'm not hearing you. It's not, I'm not going to answer it. It's, I'm answering you by saying, wait. You need to grow. You need to do something. You need to keep acting. You need to, to plant more seeds. And so to be humble, to be patient, to increase our love, to increase our hopes, we are called to be like Him. Not to be like anybody else. Not to be like the world. Not to be like great Christians over time. Not to be like anybody but Him. 
Because he is our example and he is our portion and he is our everything. And so we give him everything back and we persist even through discouragement, even through pain, even through hurt. And we take lessons from the past and we look to the future, but we live in the present. And we do it just like him to move forward together. To move forward as his church. To move forward as his followers. To move forward as his Christians. There's an old song from when I was a kid. Onward Christian Soldiers. And I hear that song in my head. A lot of times. Onward. Onward Christian Soldiers. It doesn't say don't learn from the past. It doesn't say don't hope for the future. It says keep going forward. Keep persisting, keep loving, keep being patient, keep being hopeful, keep understanding that as we plant seeds, He is the one that makes them grow. He is the one that blesses our efforts. And He is the one that we serve. That's all I got.